to Distinctly Detroit, a podcast on what makes one want to be in the D. I am your host, Katie Benjamin, from the University of Michigan Detroit Center. This is the podcast where we interview a variety of students, scholars, innovators, and leaders from across the city to learn how they came to live, work, and love in Detroit. And today, I'm excited to be talking to Michael Cheatham, Banking Center Manager for Comerica Bank. Michael, thanks for joining us today. Hey, how are you today? Good. How about yourself? Good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. Um, so why don't we start out with you telling us a little bit about your background and how you ended up where you are today? Well, um, I grew up in Detroit, uh, moved here from California when I was four and a half. I just remember because my fifth birthday was here in Detroit. Mm-hmm. Uh, my parents are from here, but my dad was in the military. So uh, we moved from, uh, actually, we moved from Germany here. I was born in California, lived there for a year, uh, then lived in Germany till I was four and a half, then moved here and had my fifth birthday here in Detroit. Um, lived, lived in Detroit the whole time, a proud product of DPS. Uh, went to Renaissance High School and after high school, I uh, attended the University of Michigan. And uh, while I was there, I was in the Army Reserve. So I enlisted in my senior year of high school um, and then did what they call the split option program where I did uh, basic training between my freshman year of, excuse me, my senior year of high school and freshman year of college. And then I did my uh, specific military skill training between my freshman and sophomore year of college. Uh, After college, um, I knew that I wanted to stay in Detroit um, and I knew I wanted a job working with people. Um, And so I interviewed with a few organizations and uh, I was really impressed with Comerica's management training program uh, which prepares you to run a branch. We don't. We call them banking centers nowadays, but sometimes I flip flop. Um, and so the the program is designed to train you ultimately to run a, a banking center. And um, I was really impressed with the program. I was already a Comerica customer. Uh, my parents were longtime customers of the bank, um, and the uh, the bank offered me all of the things I was interested in doing. Um, and so it was a great fit for me. And I've been here 27 years. Wow. So you stuck with it then. You you said this is what I like to do, and I I this is what I'm gonna do. Well, I so I stuck with it, and they stuck with me. Um, it was it really I've I've led a, a I've had a pretty good life at the bank, um, you know, and I know that you know in in corporate America or in any job, um, everybody is not as fortunate as I have been. Um, but I've I've always had great managers. Um, and a great support system. And Comerica's culture has been really good for me. Um, and so, yeah, it's been great. Um, of the 27 years I've been with the bank, 19 of those years, well, now I'm kind of going into 20 of those years, uh, has been in the banking center system. But about seven years ago, I had the opportunity to move into our community reinvestment, um, corporate contributions, and now it's kind of called the external affairs department. Um, And so I did that for seven years. And then uh, because of a life change, um, I needed a different work-life balance. And so I returned to the banking center system. That's awesome. It sounds like they were able to kind of work with you through your outside life. And and that's part of, right. And and, then actually that's part of the, that's part of the corporate culture. And uh, luckily I did, I didn't burn any bridges when I left the banking center. So they, they welcomed me back. Um, and in, in the job in external affairs, um, you know, I worked a lot with the banking center system uh, because I was responsible for uh, our community relationships, uh, you know, community partners through uh, volunteer service as well as philanthropy. 
Um, and so I did, of course, maintain a lot of relationships with the banking centers. Um, and so, uh, yeah, they, they, they welcomed me back and uh, it was, it's been a good transition. That's good. Yeah. Um, so how has your educational experience, um, both, you know, with um, DPS and at the University of Michigan kind of helped you, prepared you for where you are now? Well, uh, I'm a Detroit person at heart. Um, and of the 19 years uh, that I spent in the banking center system, uh, 14 of those years were in Detroit proper. So uh, I always tell people I have my neighborhood pass from all over the city of Detroit, Southwest Detroit, uh, Delray, uh, Deep East Side, uh, Northwest. Um, and if I didn't, if I wasn't actually assigned to a banking center in one of those neighborhoods, I had customers there or did some sort of community service in almost every corner of the city. Um, the, my, my high school, well, my school education uh, just really reinforced for me the importance of community. Mm -hmm. um, that, you know, banks and other institutions are part of a larger uh, body, I will call it. Um, and each of those parts needs to be uh, supportive of the other. And um, oh. so uh, my, my experience uh, in, in, you know, I guess uh, grade school was just that, you know, relationships are important and mm -hmm. how uh, businesses work in the community uh, are important, um, especially, and I think back to career day, for example, you know, I'm, I'm 40 something now, <laughs> almost 50. Um, and I still remember people that came in from the, you know, from businesses and organizations during career day and the things that they said to me, uh, to inspire me to, to, to be more of myself, to, to be the best that I could be. Um, and then at the university of Michigan, I got, a, a more, I guess, a detailed, and sophisticated understanding of, of exactly how all of these parts uh, work together. So when I went to the University of Michigan, my plan was to get a BBA. You know, get a, I knew I wanted to be get a business degree. Mm -hmm. And uh, through uh, several uh, situations, that didn't work out. Um, but I wound up getting my degree in sociology with a, a sub-concentration in business. And mm -hmm. uh, again, it really helped me understand how uh, institutions like banks, financial institutions, uh, really play a role in communities in their success and, and in their challenges sometimes. Um, mm -hmm. And again, I still got to, you know, through this position, work with the public. And so uh, the thing that I really liked about the, or that I really like about the banking center system is that, you know, when I'm working with someone at my desk, they're not a client, they're not a customer. Oftentimes, you know, it's, that's my aunt, or, you know, that could be my dad, or that could be my nephew, or and so on. Um, and so that's been really fulfilling for me. Um, and it kind of branched off into my, my passion, which is for financial education. So you talked a little bit earlier about how you um, going into looking for that first job, you didn't quite know that that's what you wanted to, you just knew you wanted to work with people. So how did you go about kind of that search and end up and ending up um, working for the bank? Well, back in the day, I hope this is still the case, but I don't know. They had something called the Minority Career Conference. Okay. And so uh, during my senior year of, of college, um, through the, I think, through the CSP program, which I assume still exists, the Comprehensive Studies Program, mm -hmm. um, they they run this uh, a special program called the Minority Career Conference. And so they announced that through the Career Center, and they had a list of uh, potential employers. And so you got to determine who you wanted to see or which employers you were interested in, in interviewing with. 
And so, you know, I was very pleased to see that Comerica was one of those organizations. I chose two others as well to, uh, to interview with. Um, and through those conversations, I realized that Comerica really aligned with all of the things that I was really interested in, you know. Um, mm -hmm. And again, it, it helped that I was a customer. I'd like to think that that helped me get the job. I'm sure it didn't, but I like to think that, that helped me get the job. You never um, know. You never know, right. They don't tell you <laughs> everything. That's right. Um, and so uh, I chose Comerica because to a great extent, I think Comerica chose me in terms of uh, how they position, how they're positioned in the community, and uh, the program that they had set up to train branch managers. Uh, it was just really a really a really a good fit. And when I compared Comerica to the other organizations that I uh, interviewed with, um, it was just really no competition. Um, mm -hmm. Comerica really stood out. Uh, I'm going to name drop. There's a lady named Jill Nebeshansky who no longer works for the bank, um, who interviewed me and. Um, she really was a great ambassador for the bank, so much so that uh, once I started with the bank, I had the opportunity to go and recruit even at U of M uh, for the same position that I uh, was hired into a few years before. So it really just came full circle. It really did. It really did. You know, I like to say that the banking centers are a great gateway to banking um, because kind of everything that happens in the bank runs through the banking center system. Um, and so in that position, you really get an opportunity to see all of the other aspects of banking. Um, and so many people start in the banking center system and then wind up having long careers with the bank in some other department, but mm -hmm. they would not have been exposed to those other departments or those other areas uh, if not for their experience in the banking center system. Right, that makes sense. Yeah, kind of a stepping stone to an even bigger career. Correct. Yeah. What what would you say has been the most rewarding experience of your career? I would say the, the opportunity to provide financial education. Um, you know, even before I took the job in external affairs where that was actually a part of my job, mm -hmm. um, I was always, you know, in a church or in a school or a community center somewhere uh, providing financial education. Uh, one of the things that I realized early on in my banking career is that you know, most of the concepts, especially as it relates to personal finance, aren't really that difficult to understand. But unfortunately, uh, far too many of us don't have access to the easy access to the information, um, either through conversations in our homes or through modeling of our parents or, or the others in our community. And so I took it upon myself to take the information and, and you know, plug it into everywhere that I could. And uh, so, you know, being able to go in front of people and uh, do a couple of things. First, to demystify a lot of the information because people, you know, I always tell people, you know, especially adults, they oftentimes are embarrassed or ashamed that they don't know certain things that they mm -hmm. think they are supposed to know. And I say, look, you know, I can't go to Chrysler and put on a bumper. You know, I can't go over to the hospital and draw blood. So you shouldn't necessarily feel the need to understand all of this financial stuff. My job is to come out and, and you know, share this information with you in a way that's accessible and understandable. Um, and then also to bridge the, to bridge the gap so that, you know, you recognize or feel that or begin to feel that, you know, the bank is, is, is not something to be afraid of um, and that, you know, we're interested in your success. Mm -hmm. And so I think a really cool perspective on it. Well, it, it, it was it's it, like I said, it's been very rewarding um, to, to be an ambassador for the bank in, in those ways. Um, and and to, you know, in some cases, see people 
you know, especially at the schools, you know, I'll see a student that was in a class that I saw in the third grade and I see him in the fourth grade. And I always ask this question when I talk to young people, what's the most important thing you can do with your money? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I get all kinds of answers at the beginning, you know, buy a unicorn, you know, buy a, <laughs> buy a big house, buy a spaceship, whatever. But when I leave, um, you know, I'm always pleased when they give me the answer that I'm always looking for, which is to save. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, just just seeing that progression, you know, some kids are saying, hey, I remember you from last year. You know, that's all. And then they're telling all the, their friends, the answer is save. You save. <laughs> So, you know, just that that's that's very rewarding for me um, just to know that to some extent, you know, I'm having a positive impact on people's lives with a subject matter that's going to stay with them for the rest of their lives. Right. And, you know, I often tell them, you may not remember everything I say, but if you just remember some of the basic things I say and then know and feel that you can come back to the bank to get those details that maybe you missed or those things that weren't necessarily important for you when you were in the seventh grade, that now that you're, you know, in this as a senior about to go off to college, you're like, you know, he said something about credit. I know he talked about there's some things I need to pay attention to. So now that I'm about to go and get my first credit card or be exposed to that sort of thing, I now know I can at least go back to the bank mm-hmm. and ask those questions again. Right. Yeah, I, I felt very proud when you said that the answer was saving because that was the answer that I came up with. So I'm I'm just as good as those fourth graders. That there that you go. That's right. That's, that's <laughs> right. Very good. Um, so now I want to pivot a little bit. So I want to talk a little bit. What keeps you in this city of Detroit? Um, um, your career, but well, no, it just you know what kept what keeps me in the city of Detroit. And there's a whole bunch of other backstory that I won't bore you with today, but. Most of the things that I like about myself, most of the things that I'm proud of about myself, outside of what I got from my parents inside my household, are the direct result of living in the city of Detroit. Um, I grew up in what I like to call a front porch neighborhood, uh, where, you know, people sat on their front porches. And so as a result of that, you know, not only did we have people who were looking out for us, we had people who were interested in our success. So you know, we'd be walking down the street talking. And I remember Mr. King, uh, he stands out as one of the main people. He was, wow. So I was, Mr. King was pretty old. I'm, you know, he was old when I was young. So Mm -hmm. he was, you know, he had already retired. Uh, I think he was, he worked at GM, I believe, um, had retired from GM. Anyway, so, uh, you know, he would call us over and just talk to us, you know, just stuff. Hey, you know what? Let me come over here for a minute. What do you What do you plan to do when you get out of school? You know, those types of conversations. Or, you know, if he may have overheard something that that, that wasn't, uh, we'll say appropriate. <laughs> he, he would, he would, he would call us over and say, hey, you know, that's, that's not the way you should be talking. Or let's talk about what you just said. Um, you know, my parents, you know, they sat on the, everybody sat on the front porch. Um, and so it was those experiences that stuck with me most because I have always felt that, and again, in addition to my parents, that I owed people like Mr. King and all of the other people that uh, through word or deed helped support me, you mm-hmm. know, because I'm sure there was a lot of things that happened in my life that I was not even aware of that benefited. Right. 
you know, um, I would get asked to go speak at some event or I would get asked to participate in some scholarship program or something because somebody in my neighborhood or somebody in my school uh, saw something valuable in me and they they chose to pour into me. And so it's important every day for me to give back to that. And, you know, for a whole bunch of sociological reasons that I'm sure you're aware of, uh, people who are able to do that, mm-hmm over time have left the city. Many of those people, not everybody, but many of those people who, especially in my generation and the generation before me, uh, because of some of the things that were actually happening in the city, uh, those people who did work in those, who had those types of jobs, the the, the middle to upper income uh, people who, you know, were like Mr. King, you know, they moved out of the city. So those opportunities didn't exist anymore or not at the level that they that they did when I was growing up. And so I felt and feel that it's my responsibility to basically give back to a situation that I benefited from. Um, and so I guess that's the short answer. No, I, I think answer. that's a really good perspective to take on things. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I and again, especially people in my generation, uh, there was always a conversation about, you know, uh, and I got questioned like this. Why do you still live in the city? You know, because, you know, crime comes up and taxes come up and it's all of this stuff. And, you know, at the end of the day is because I owe the city. And, you know, I don't owe the city of Detroit per se, but I owe the people here. I owe the ground that nurtured me. Right. And so... Living in the city is as much uh, something I enjoy as it is a mission for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's why the community uh, activities and the volunteerism has always been a part of what I wanted to do because that it was part of my way to give back to, again, a situation in a city and people that, uh, you know, I can never repay Mr. King, right. but hopefully I can be the Mr. King for the next generation. I can be my parents for the next generation. Um, and so that's why I'm here. I love that. That's, so I, like I said, I love that perspective. I think that's just, I, there, there, I wish there were more people like that out there. <laughs> and I will say this, and I, some, when, depending on who I'm talking to, I also have to you know, remind people that I'm not suffering to stay in the city. You know, a lot of times when people say, oh, I'm giving back, it's like a sacrifice. Mm-hmm. I feel it's a sacrifice. I I feel that I'm really doing pretty well. <laughs> uh, and I don't mean financially. I'm just saying that in terms of a lot of the things that, that people who don't feel like I do are afraid of mm-hmm. or they're concerned about, I've not been negatively impacted by those things. Right. Um, and so I I feel great living here. You know, I don't. I don't feel the need to apologize for it. Mm-hmm. So on the topic of, you know, helping people that, you know, may be in the similar situation as you, what advice would you give to a young person who's just starting out in their career, who's looking at where you are now saying, oh, that's where I want to be? You know, that's of all the questions that we talked about, that's probably my my second favorite next to mm-hmm. why do I stay in Detroit? Um, because I've been also blessed to say that I've 
I've just, I've really not had to, uh, trying to think of a, the best way to say this. I've not necessarily had to be strategic in that way. Cause, and that's something that I see in, in generations behind me. You all are a lot more thoughtful about the stuff you do <laughs> than I ever was. Um, but the thing that I know worked for me was that it is important to pay attention to how people view you. Mm-hmm. And my brand, you know, people talk about branding. What's your brand? Right. My brand has always been, Mike's a nice guy. And the reason that that's been important for me is because that opens doors. A smile opens more doors than keys do. Mm-hmm. You know, and so the first thing I would say to somebody is, you know, just be friendly, just be friendly. So I'm the guy I used to, when I was um, working in the other department, we were in, I was in our our building downtown and, you know, I was always the guy that, that waved at people and smiled and, you know, spoke to people on the elevator. Um, And so I, it was funny to me because I would hear people talk about me they're like, well, who, who is that guy? And like, I don't know. He just speaks all the time. So I speak to him. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I do know that that, that type of uh, behavior uh, has helped guide me or has at least helped make the path easier for me in other things I wanted to do. Because when I needed a favor from another department, they didn't necessarily know who I was. But when I said, hey, I might cheat him and I need this. And they're like, oh, you know, we've never met. And I said, well, you probably see me in the lunchroom. I'm the guy that's always smiling and waving. And like, oh, yeah, Mike. Yeah, that guy. Um, and it's helped me get some things done that maybe I wouldn't have gotten done before. Right. Um, also, uh, be willing to be uncomfortable. And I, I tell young people that, you know, oftentimes people will ask you to do things that you don't think that you're able to do, that you don't think you're qualified for, or you don't think that you're gonna do well in. And I always tell them, forget what you think. The fact that somebody else thinks that you're good at it is enough reason to try it. And then also usually the person that's asking you because now they're putting their stamp on you, they're gonna help you be successful. Right. So take those opportunities. And then once you start taking those opportunities, people will start to identify you as the person that takes those opportunities and they will start bringing you more opportunities. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say those two things, be friendly and don't be afraid to take uncomfortable opportunities or, or get into uncomfortable situations. So, you know, throughout my career, I mean, this even happened to some extent in college, uh, you know, people would say, hey, we need a volunteer for this thing. And I was, you know, I looked around and I was like, well, okay, I'll try it. And I've never had a bad experience. Even when I got into something I knew I didn't know anything about, the fact that they were willing to take me on in that role was enough for me to feel confident because I knew, again, they were invested in my success as much as I was. Right. And that always worked out. So those would be the things that I would say. Um, And then as related to both of those, um, treat every new relationship or everybody you meet as a potential ally. That doesn't necessarily mean your friends. That doesn't even necessarily mean that they're your mentor or anything like that, but they can be somebody who at some point in your career may be able to help you. And the more allies you have, the more successful you will be. And 
even if they're not an ally, you're at least creating a situation where somebody who won't work against you. Right. And so, again, I guess that goes to the, the smiling and waving and all of that stuff, because, hey, I guess at a very basic level, if they know me as the guy that speaks to them on a regular basis, if they had a chance to do something that was not in my best interest, they might take a pass on it because, well, no, but Mike, Mike leave Mike alone. He's, he's OK. <laughs> he's all right. Right. And so I don't know if that's ever worked for me, but I feel that that's worked for me. So I'm going to take it. I, I think I think that's fair. <laughs> All right. Well, we are coming to the end of our time here. Um, so we do usually like to wrap up our podcast with what we call the lightning round. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's five questions that we just ask um, kind of rapid fire. I mean, there's no time limit or anything. Don't, don't feel like you're under too much pressure. Okay. Um, but it's we ask the same questions of all of our guests here. Right. Um, so the first one is, what are you reading? Wow. Um you know, I read a lot of periodicals. I I read so much for work, to be honest, that I very rarely read for pleasure, or at least I very rarely read long things for pleasure. Right. Um, but I, I read a lot of, um, I, I like car and driver, so I, I read about cars. Um, the, the most recent thing I've read is a book on retirement by Susie Orman. Okay. Um, my, my goal is to retire at some point and do it successfully. So, uh, or at least retire from what I'm doing now so that I can go do something else. Um, and I probably wind up being a teacher. I think that's, that's okay. my, cause I guess everything I've done in my life has ultimately been teaching. So, yeah. um, so I would say right now, that's probably what I'm reading okay. is, is books on retirement and articles about retirement. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, my uh, my significant other, she wrote a couple of books. And so oh. I'm reading her books. Um, and so uh, her name is Latanya Garth and she <laughs> wrote a book um, called Jump, Just Understand My Perspective. Um, and she has another book, her earlier book was called Keep Going. Okay. Keep Moving Forward. So um, I'm reading those as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Uh, the next question is, what are you listening to? And that can be music, podcasts, radio. Uh, I like house music. I've, mm-hmm. I come from that generation too. So, uh, and old school hip hop. So uh, mostly uh, for the house music, I like, I like uh, live instruments. So a lot of house, of course, at least starts out with electronic, you know, instruments, drum machines, that sort of things, uh, synthesizers. But, you know, uh, there's a lot out there that has actual live instrumentation or at least solos of live instrumentation mm-hmm. um, and uh, great singing. So there's a lady out there named Stephanie Cook. She's really good. Monique Bingham. Uh, I, I'm going to get in trouble because there's a lot of them. And <laughs> not, not that they care that I like them, but there's there's a lot of good house music yeah. out there that I like. Um, old school hip hop uh, or at least old school type hip hop. So where the the focus of the music are the lyrics and mm-hmm. the lyrics themselves have meaning beyond the traditional things that are usually associated with mainstream rap. So I don't necessarily care how much money you have. I don't care what you drive. I don't care about your um, your jewelry or, you know, that sort of stuff. Um, but, you know, I like people like uh, currently, you know, Black Thought. I like him, the guy from The Roots. Uh, but I'm really old school, so I like uh, Boogie Down Productions, KRS-One, uh, Gangstar, just, 
yeah, Eric B. and Rakim, that sort of stuff. Uh, you'll probably be like, who are these old people? But look them up. You'll enjoy There's a few of those. <laughs> a few of them. Okay. Okay. Got it. Uh, All right. The next question is, what is your favorite restaurant in Detroit? Uh, the Block, which is right next to the Garden Theater on Woodward. Yeah. Uh, great food. Um, great people there. Um, and so that that's probably my favorite restaurant. And then, you know, uh, I like Los Galanes in, in Southwest Detroit, uh, Mexican town. Um, but I will say this, I eat pretty much anything. So I'm not, I'm not quite the person that you would come to if you want a, 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 a you know, the, the high level stick your pinky out type of, you know, food experience. Right. But, but, you know, I would say to a great extent, you know, that's part of my Detroitness too. You know, mm-hmm. and then I come from, you know, my mom was a great cook. So we didn't eat at restaurants a lot because my mother could cook anything. Yeah. And so I just, you know, but, you know, and I'll take a good cheeseburger or a good coney any day. So, of course. Right. Um, what is your favorite place to hang out or socialize in Detroit? Ooh. Um, Hang out. I, I I live in a great neighborhood. Um, I'm here in North Rosedale. So hanging out here has been is, is great. You know, I just like to go for walks and things like that. Um, any of the parks, I still I, I love Belle Isle. Um, I will admit I miss the old Belle Isle. I like the new Belle Isle in terms of how it looks. Yeah. But I miss the old Belle Isle because some of my Detroit friends will understand this. It lost some of its soul. I just really, it it's not the same Belle Isle that I grew up really loving, but it's nice. Belle Isle is great, but I, I, I think back to when I was a kid. We used to have breakdance competitions at Belle Isle and just all kind of stuff. Um, but uh, yeah, I still, I, I like Belle Isle. Um, I like the Riverwalk, mm-hmm. um, and especially the expanded Riverwalk, you know, all the way down even to the marinas is really nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I would say those probably are the two places that I, that I like to hang out the most. Um, and last question, if someone was coming to visit Detroit, what is the one thing that you would tell them that they absolutely had to do while they're there? Oh, that's a tough one. There's so much. Mm-hmm. Um, what they have to do when they come is is come and visit somebody who lives here. Okay. And have that person take you around. That's I what like I would it. suggest. So if you're going to come to Detroit, don't just come as a tourist. Mm-hmm. Come as Come and get with somebody who lives here, who can not only tell you where to go, but give you more of the overall vibe. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, I'm sure people will come here and they'll be driving around and they're like, what in the heck is a Coney Island and why are there so many of them? And, you know, and, right. And you need somebody to explain that to you. Right. Um, so that's what I would say. I would say get a native Detroiter to be your tour guide. Um, so yeah, and then if 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 I couldn't give you anything else, go to the Riverwalk or go to Belle Isle and watch the sunset. Yeah, I I like that answer a lot. That's I've never heard that one before, and I think that's a really good answer. Yeah. All right. Well, that is all the time that we have for today. Thank you so much for joining me. Well, thank you so much for having me. Um, I hope that my answers inspired somebody else from Detroit or somebody else who loves Detroit to participate in this podcast. Um, I'm sure I'm only a very small slice of what Detroit really means. And so, you know, it'd be great to have some more people contribute to the conversation. Mm -hmm. 
Right. Well, yes, thank you so much. And uh, to our listeners, we will see you next time. Thank you.